The Holy Gospel according to St. Mark from the seventh chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. Our Gospel this morning is Mark 7, verses 1 through 13, and can be found on page 1563 of your Pew Bible. The Pharisees and some of the teachers of the law who had come from Jerusalem gathered around Jesus and saw some of his disciples eating food with hands that were defiled. That is to say, they were unwashed. The Pharisees and all the Jews do not eat unless they give their hands a ceremonial washing, holding to the tradition of the elders. When they came from the marketplace, they do not eat unless they wash. And they observe many other traditions, such as the washing of cups and pitchers and kettles. So the Pharisees and the teachers of the law asked Jesus, why don't your disciples live according to the tradition of the elders instead of eating their food with defiled hands? He replied, Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you hypocrites, as it is written, these people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain. Their teachings are merely human rules. You have let go of the commands of God and are holding on to human traditions. And he continued, You have a fine way of setting aside the commands, the commands of God, in order to observe your own traditions. For Moses said, Honor your father and mother, and anyone who curses their father or mother is to be put to death. But you say, that if anyone declares that, that, that what might have been used to help their father or mother is Corban, that is to say, that which is devoted to God, then you no longer let them do anything for their father and their mother. Thus you nullify the word of God by your tradition that you have handed down, and you do many things like that. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. You may be seated. Will you pray with me? May the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. In the name of Jesus. I, I have to admit something to you right now. That is, whenever I encounter the Pharisees and the scribes, like in today's gospel, I have a triggered default response. That is, I stereotype these people. 
In my mind's eye, I see the Pharisees as these old, stubborn, pompous jerks. In my imagination, I see them as posers whose main goal in life was to make themselves look good and everybody else look bad. I stand convicted of this right here and right now, of stereotyping these people, judging these people. Now, it is proper for us to examine the image that we have of the scribes and the Pharisees. And it is proper for me to give us a little clearer picture about who we are really dealing with in passages like today's gospel, okay? Okay. First of all, it is good to remember that not all, not all of the Pharisees were enemies of Jesus. We have the gospel record of Joseph of Arimathea, who claimed Jesus' body after the crucifixion. And he placed it in his own tomb. Then we have, uh, well, Joseph was a minority member. He was a minority member of the ruling class, the ruling council. And the truth is, in Scripture, we read that he tried to stop Jesus. He tried to stop the crucifixion. And then there was Nicodemus, Nick at night, right, who helped Jesus prepare, or rather Joseph prepare Jesus' body for burial. In addition to that, there are accounts outside of the Bible of Pharisees and others. Josephus is one of them, who saw how Jesus fulfilled the prophets, and they believed Jesus to be the promised Messiah. The truth is, I expect to see many of these Pharisees in heaven. Now, on to the scribes. The scribes were people who wrote things. There were no word processors. There were no printing presses, no photocopy machines in the first century. So if you wanted to duplicate something, you had to do it by hand. It made me think, what do you do if your writing is not legible? Or you simply don't want to copy stuff? The answer was you hired. You hired a scribe to do the copying for you. So if you were writing a letter to somebody, you might have a scribe take down the letter at your dictation. And temple scribes, they spent their days making copies of the Holy Scriptures. And you can imagine that you would get to know the Scriptures pretty well if you spent all day Day after day, 
copying it from one scroll to another. Do you remember when we used to be taught or we used to teach by rote? Right? Um, <laughs> did any of you ever have to write on a chalkboard after class? Don't raise your hand. Actually, I'd like to know. <laughs> I did. <laughs> Jeff, no surprise. Uh, I know a man that got to write on a chalkboard. He had to write this. I will not put Catherine's ponytail in my typewriter ever again. That is... That was in Raymondville, Texas, around 1959. And that boy was my father-in-law, John W. McCraw, who isn't here to defend himself. But I heard that story, as did my wife and all of our grandchildren, many, many times. And he never forgot that story, probably because it's a good story. But he had to write on the chalkboard. So not all of the Pharisees and the scribes were enemies of Jesus, okay? The problem is that the hypocrites among the scribes and the Pharisees had gained control. The hypocrites set the agenda for them as a group. And it was the hypocrites who set out to discredit and eventually kill Jesus. You see, the hypocritical Pharisees did not study the Scriptures in order to learn God's teaching. No, instead, they studied the Scriptures in order to find loopholes. They had developed over 600 some odd laws as they debated the Scriptures. And at first glance, you would think that keeping track of 600 some laws would be even a greater task than just keeping the Ten Commandments. But it's not the case. These 600 some odd laws actually softened God's law. While God's law makes it clear that we cannot keep it, these laws that the hypocritical Pharisees had developed well, the ones that they developed were actually doable. It was quite a task to learn all of those laws, but once you did, you could actually do them. And this paved the way for the idea that salvation was a result of God's mercy plus man's obedience. Now, because they taught that human works contribute to salvation, the hypocritical Pharisees had to make the law more user-friendly. Ceremonial washing of your hands. The hypocritical Pharisees diluted the law's requirement of perfect uh, obedience with manageable human rules that could be kept. Now, a compromised law means a compromised gospel. And Jesus condemned these Pharisees because they abandoned God's word for the word of man. In a sense, 
In a very real sense, these Pharisees were really the liberal progressives of their time. Jesus condemned these Pharisees for their hypocrisy and their self-righteousness. And as we heard in the gospel, he cited an example of their hypocrisy. He said this to them in Mark 7, 10 through 13. He said, boy, you have a fine way of reflecting the commandment of God in order to establish your, your tradition. For Moses said this, honor your father and your mother, and whoever reviles father and mother must surely die. But you say, if a man tells his father or his mother, whatever you would have gained from me is given to God, then you, you Pharisees, no longer permit him to do anything for his father or mother thus making void the word of God by your tradition that you have handed down. It's here that Jesus tells these Pharisees that they had played so many word games with the Holy Scriptures that they had actually developed a tradition a tradition that allowed them to break the clear word of God and yet declare that they had kept God's law. Okay, well, how about now? Do we still deal with this same sort of thinking today? You betcha. Don't you know? We do. Some things never change. Let's consider the command that we have in today's epistle. Question for you, quick. Do we find law in the Old Testament, or do we find law in the New Testament? Both, right? Both. That is kind of a trick question, and I could see people going, oh, don't look at me. But if you're thinking both, it's right. Because right here in this New Testament passage, we hear, uh, in the epistle, we hear law. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. For those who are in worship here this morning and for all who are watching online, let me look at you here online. Guys, how are you doing with that law? Is it working out for you? Are you sacrificing your lives so that your wife can become the best that she can be? Are you? I'm not. I can't. I can try, but I won't succeed. The law tells me and it tells you no one can live up to the example that Christ gives to us in this or any other area. Period. Full stop. Okay, back on point. How do we in this day and age do the same thing 
that the Pharisees did back then. What are some examples? Well, let's consider the huge market in self-help books for marriages. I'll bet you you know some of these titles. Some titles include this. Men are from Mars and women are from... You all have read it. The other ones are seven vital relationship insights, seven principles for making marriage work, five love languages. And then there are hundreds, perhaps thousands of other books in the self-help category. Do these books have useful information for us? Well, sure. Many of them do. But when we begin to think that following the advice in these books makes it possible for us to actually keep the command that we have in today's epistle, we are following the exact same fleshly footsteps of the Pharisees from today's gospel. In fact, what we are doing is we are teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. As sinful human beings, we tend to see God's law as guidelines for living. We tend to see God's law as what we must do, what we must do in order to get God to like us. And when we see that no one can keep the law, we want to water it down. We want to soften it up. We want to shave off those rough edges so that we can keep it. That is exactly what the hypocritical Pharisees did at the time of the gospel from today's reading. Does God's law, does it contain guidelines for living? Yeah, of course it does. But that is not, big not, that is not its primary function. Then what is the primary function of the law? Well, I'm glad you asked. The law's primary function is to show us our sin, to teach us that we are bad people. It grinds down the arrogant pride that believes that we can actually lead God-pleasing lives. Its function is to terrify us with the sure, the certain knowledge that our efforts have only succeeded in earning God's wrath. His eternal punishment is earned both here in this time and forever in eternity. If we read God's law, if you read God's law and you feel absolutely miserable, Good. That means that the law is doing its job. So why does God give us the law? 
if it makes us feel so miserable? Is God some kind of sicko who enjoys seeing people suffer? No, not at all. Instead, God uses the misery of the law to open up the gospel for us. The law, by showing us how sinful we are, shows us our need for a Savior. It knocks down our natural resistance to the good news of Jesus Christ. It totally obliterates any thought on our part that we somehow cooperate with God in order to save ourselves from sin. The law puts us to death in order that we might be brought to life by the gospel. The gospel. The gospel that brings us to life is this. Are you listening? Because I laid some heavy, heavy law on you just now. This, is, this comes the good stuff, all right? Are you listening? In 1 Corinthians 15, 3 through 4, it says that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance to the Scriptures, and that he appeared to many people after his resurrection. Now, those who believe that Christ's suffering and death on the cross, that it forgives them of their sins, and that his resurrection from the dead opened up the way for eternal life for them, these people, these people have this new life. Those who follow in the footsteps of the hypocritical Pharisees by trying to earn all or part of their salvation, they reject God's gospel. They remain, they remain dead in their trespasses and sins. It is our sinful pride. It is our flesh that has such a desire to earn its way into heaven. This world is full of plans that deceive us into believing that we can actually pull it off. And these plans are all clever lies that the devil will use to drag us down to destruction. The only way to salvation is Jesus Christ. His perfect life, his perfect sacrifice. The only way to receive this perfect salvation is through the Holy Spirit's gift of faith. The only way that the law can help us is when the Holy Spirit uses it to show our total inability to save ourselves. It is then that the Holy Spirit can use the gospel to show us that our salvation is in no other than Christ Jesus. It is Jesus Christ alone who can give us eternal life. And that is why.
we proclaim Christ and him crucified in this church. In the name of Jesus, amen.